Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Sharon Lever. Your co-hosts for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Principal Analyst Ted Shadler to discuss how the pandemic has affected digital business strategies going forward. Welcome, Ted. Thank you, Jen. It's great to be here. Thank you, Sharon. So clearly COVID-19 and the pandemic has proved to be a tipping point for many things, including digital business strategies. So perhaps you could just give us a few reflections on 2020 to set us up for discussion as to what will be happening in 2021. Yeah, Jen. So I think we've all been living this day by day and have probably a pretty good intuition about the effect of this pandemic on everybody at home, at work, assuming people can go to work, I mean, have work. Um, And, you know, if we ever thought we could do everything face to face in the past, um, in the face of evidence otherwise, that people were already preferring, in many cases, digital engagement, we had no choice. We had to adopt technologies that allowed us as companies to serve customers remotely, in place, uh, contactless, through digital touchpoint screens, products and services, all kinds of direct customer engagement. And that revealed some real flaws, I think, in a lot of companies' strategies and structures that I think we should, uh, we should dive into as part of this. Because going forward, that direct customer engagement, having a brand that customers trust and value, and also having the ability to serve them to provide that experience uh, digitally and omni-channelly in 2021 is going to be important. So that's the first thing. The second thing really is the employee experience. Moving to remote work was a deal changer for some. People adapted very quickly and readily. And I think we should definitely come back and talk about the impact of that digital employee experience in 2021, how companies can lever that up, extend that, and make things even better, having learned what they learned in those pandemic times. So let's take those one by one um, and start with the direct customer engagement. You mentioned, you know, with the onset of the pandemic, it became a requirement. Even though we might have attested that it was a requirement to begin with, it really, really became a requirement in 2021. Lots of companies, lots of brands scrambled. Are most of them in a good place for 2021, Ted? Or are they still scrambling or sort of reevaluating and starting from scratch? Wow. So that uh, really gets to the heart of the execution that I know we do want to explore uh, in this uh, podcast today. When you think about those that were ready and those that were not ready, it's just a dramatic difference. In our digital maturity data, Uh, digitally advanced firms were more than ready. Almost overnight, they could turn on the ability to serve customers digitally because they already were. But digital beginners, which last year was about in 2020, um, beginning of 2020 was about half of companies were digital beginners. They were not ready. They did not have an understanding of customer needs. They were using the old models for engagement and think about B2B, uh, direct sales force, for example, um, think about you know marketing activities that were generic and not specific to an account or a person or a customer segment. So just they were not ready. They didn't have the mechanisms and they weren't future fit, as I know we're going to come back and talk more about. So the ones who were ready, you know, they amped it up quickly, made the change. Those that were not ready really struggled. And those in the middle, I think, are where the most interesting stories lie, because they were the ones who adapted. And there's some wonderful examples of that. Think about 
in pharmacy. So pharmacies were open. You could get a prescription, but what else could you get through that little pass-through window? Well, it turns out you needed to know how big the boxes were on your shelves because some boxes would fit through the pass-through and other boxes wouldn't fit through the pass-through. So having the things in place that allowed you to know what you could offer on your website to sell to pass through that pharmacy window turned out to be a competitive advantage. And so that's an example of a company adapting. They were almost ready and they were able to pivot pretty quickly for that direct customer engagement. And do you think in uh, 2021, obviously, we're all kind of, um, you know, eagerly anticipating in most cases, unless you're lucky enough to have already gotten it vaccines and things may be settling down a bit. Do you expect this direct client engagement, the need to have a digital engagement with customers to ease back and kind of roll back a little bit or just continue to accelerate because now we've all gotten used to it and the demands are just going to be even higher? Well, look, I think we're all just waiting, waiting, waiting to get back into life as we knew it, because what the heck, how long can I sit here at home with the dog at my feet working without being refreshed by by being with people? So we're all absolutely looking forward to that. But the trend line has been clear for a long time now that people prefer convenience. And whether that's convenience in shopping, driving the e-commerce massive acceleration that happened, but has been happening you think about B2B, the difference between what people want when they buy and what they are forced to do to buy, digital is what they want. They want that convenience. And so that we're going to see um, continue and accelerate. People are used to it. They're going to want that and want more of it. There is, however, increasingly a need to have that direct connection to a customer in ways that is not just digital, but is omnichannel, that is encompassing the physical, the virtual, the digital, and whatnot. But the important thing is the direct relationship with the customer, as opposed to selling through intermediaries and intermediaries. And so the value chains and in industries have been illuminated as flawed in this COVID world because the manufacturer wants to directly serve the customer. The CPG, the pharma, they want to have direct relationships with consumers. So that's going to continue. And 2021 will prove to be where those that made the pivot are going to accelerate out of this pandemic. And those that kind of reluctantly got on board are going to struggle to return to growth. So Ted, the firms that adapted or are currently adapting, are they standing up a unit dedicated to this issue? Is this something that's federated across the organization and corporate call to action? How are they going about making this move? Yeah, well, certainly we see a strong elevation, Jen, in the um, kind of the CDO uh, roles and responsibilities, the ability to prioritize being the most important um, in that pharmacy example I was giving you, they told us that the order management systems were ready, but the um, customer loyalty system was not. And there were lots of competing priorities for customer engagement, for customer experience. But the pandemic really boiled it down to a very fine point. Everybody understood what the mission was. And this organization believes that in 2021, they will be able to execute more uniformly, more cleanly, because they've designated an executive responsible now for that digital customer engagement, whereas before it was spread out all over the firm. So that's an example of a company that's made a pretty strong acceleration or pivot towards a new model, a new way of 
organizing for customer engagement. There are plenty of others that haven't done that yet. But I will say that the pandemic made everybody aware that they needed to prioritize digital customer experience in order to both survive 2020, but then also to lever up in 2021. And I think you'll see executives appointed to, uh, to sponsor that, to aggregate budget, to coordinate work. Do most organizations, Ted, um, do, they, do they have the skills already? So you talked a bit about, you know, aligning functionally or just organizationally structuring in a way to make sure that it's a priority. It's kind of sounded, and maybe I'm, I'm incorrectly inferring this from what you said, that they already had the skills. They knew what they needed to do. It's just a matter of reprioritizing. Is that the case or is it bigger than that? So um, I think what we saw the most is that boards, boards of directors, and sometimes the C-suite, but certainly uh, the higher up in the organization you were, the more you needed to be transforming, for going back years now. And uh, COVID wrote the business case, to quote one, uh, one board member. And so uh, th- that creates clarity, if you like, on how to execute. The challenge uh, in 2019 and before has been that middle management and those that actually control budget as well um, were not interested in pivoting. They weren't really on board. And so you had this battle between the digital group and the non-digital group. And I think COVID has illuminated the fact that we're not separate. We come together because we're aligned on common purpose, which is a happy customer that's a profitable customer. And so that will drive this cohesion here. But the ones that were not ready, that didn't have the platforms in place that didn't have a a practice of understanding customers' needs and serving them directly and building new customer offerings, products, and services. They are absolutely struggling. They struggled in 2020. They're now laying the foundation. And I guess I'm hopeful for them and for all of us that they are successful in 2021, continuing that move toward enablement. And a big part of that is partnerships as well. Certainly, because they didn't always have the skills. They don't often have the skills at scale, and they need help. They need partners to help them achieve those those results. I suspect that um, that aligns with the the other side of the coin here that that you mentioned. There's the you know digital customer engagement, and then there's the enabling internally the employees for a um, a remote workforce, if you will. Um, give us a sense of of how that has gone and what you see in 2021. Did it did it mirror within organizations? You know, if they were able to make the shift for their customers, they were probably able to make the shift for their employees. Or did some do one better than the other? So the employee experience, which is um, you know how we talk about employee and empowerment um, here, absolutely mirrors when you see in a digitally mature firm, for example their focus on customer experience and on employee experience are um, both miles above digital beginners. And so there there tends to be a pairing, if you like, of understanding. You know, when I think back to work we did many, many years ago on uh, empowerment, technology populism, and the fact that some employees were taking advantage of technology to serve customers better because customers were empowered with, with technology and employees were not they were sort of constrained. That's changed a lot. And here again, working from home, having collaboration tools, having access to knowledge systems, the ability to collaborate and create um, new ideas and work um, in small agile teams. That's all been happening amongst mature firms over the last decade. 
And digital beginners have really struggled with it. But again, COVID forced their hand. People had to up-level their tooling, give people laptops, for example, and make sure they had broadband at home and had the collaborative software and tools in order to be able to talk to each other and get work done together. And so again, COVID taught everybody a lesson and you had to respond because you didn't, we're going to have employees <laughs> if you didn't. And so here again, I think what we learned in 2020 lays the, the groundwork for an improved and an accelerated 2021 where we hope employees come back to the office, that's where the magic happens, but where they're productive and empowered to be successful wherever they are. And again, those that had already done it had a leg up, but every other company had to build out these capabilities, these platforms, these systems, these processes in order to make employees productive, hire new employees, train employees, keep employees focused on and happy and productive and successful. So a lot of changes happen up and down the organization to do that in 2020 that will carry over into 2021. I'm curious how many of the firms deployed, for lack of a better term, Band-Aids, you know, to make it happen. Something that could make it feasible for the next however many months that they had to live in this world, but weren't exactly the most optimal platform for processes or practices or partnerships, to your point for the long term? How much rework do you expect in 2021? So that's a great question. Uh, if we uh, look at the employee experience side, I would say that the, there, there weren't that many Band-Aids. There were a few people that had to lug their desktops home. But what companies did instead was they accelerated the deployment of newer technology. And they often did that with partners. Think about a, a technology partner or a services partner to help you build out that, uh, that VPN, for example, for a secure network connection. And people did that in a matter of days and weeks. I mean, there's story after story after story of the big service providers helping large enterprises with that pivot in just a matter of a few days. So on the employee side, the basics weren't really Band-Aids. Where the Band-Aids applied was in not having the knowledge systems, the collaboration systems, the software systems in place to allow work and workflow to be streamlined. So there's a lot of investment that companies are making in distributed work processes, for example. One, one company told me that they have, I think they said it was about 100 processes to close their books, and they all relied on face-to-face. -face. So how do you do that in a remote way? Well, you have to rethink your processes, your sign-offs, all those kinds of things. So that's work they're doing now, and they have to do that now. On the customer engagement side, having a direct customer experience, this is a place where there were a lot of Band-Aids. <laughs> Does the phrase swivel chair integration have any uh, memory for you? And <laughs> when people would place an order, for example, was it really an order? Or did it get faxed to somebody in the back room who then turned around and ran to the back office to see if a, it was an inventory, if they had it in stock? There was a lot of that, a lot of Band-Aids, up and down. I mean, large retailers, smaller organizations, and so um, that work remains to be done. All of that integration, a lot of replatforming, a lot of stitching together in an automated way, what today requires manual integration and manual, manual work. So yes, lots to do there. So Ted, obviously you're talking about like some of the work that has to be done on the ground, but uh, kind of alluding to a comment you made earlier in the conversation, how has this impacted how firms approach 
digital more broadly, like from a strategy perspective, are leaders taking a step back and reevaluating the broader approach, not just the quick fixes or the response and, you know, adaptability that's expected today? So there, there is, and uh, again, leading firms had been doing this, and now I think every firm understands, every firm or, or government agency now understands that the role of, call it the ecosystem, if you like, alliance partners is critical to their success. We call it innovation through ecosystems. And what that means practically is that if you are running your own data center and nobody could be there to keep the lights on, you were in trouble. But if you were running in a public cloud data center, you were running a SaaS application, for example, then that was going to run without you. And you could just be sure that it was going to run. And so this idea that we um, are going to rely on partners in a new way, in fact, we're going to outsource to partners, have been, again, digitally mature for a long time, because they have a commitment to improve their products and capabilities that you're going to benefit from. So that making a bet on the roadmap of a strategic partner is a new core competency, I would say, for most firms. Having the ability to have that partnership that is giving you the leverage, that lets you focus on what you're good at while letting them focus on what they're good at, that's a new way of executing. So we call that innovation through ecosystems. The other sort of big change here is that in order to tie it all together, you also need outside help. You probably don't have enough people or skills or the architectural uh, patterns even in some cases to achieve it. So people are really doubling down on their strategic um, vendors, their service providers like uh, tech service providers or um, consultancies or agencies. And so they're consolidating. Uh, They are looking for deeper end-to-end skills. Uh, They're looking for the service partner to bring assets that is having done it before, solutions um, for those service uh, providers to bring alliances so that things can move quickly. There's a tremendous change in the vendor relationship, the cloud relationship, and in the service provider relationship that COVID has just exposed. It just revealed all the cracks in the old system. So I think that'll be a big change for 2021 is that people will be more confident that they can set up and manage, effectively manage those strategic relationships. What about the technology itself, Ted? Um, Any trends you're seeing or expecting to accelerate in 2021 to be able to um, support the digital interactions or is it, you know, cobble together a bunch of (laughs) new technologies and try and get up to speed as quickly as possible? Oh, yeah. No, no, not not at all, Sharon. So the cloud migration and app modernization trend has been going on for a while, again, accelerated by COVID. And that will continue because when you're in the cloud, you can both optimize for cost and you can also be much more flexible and agile in how you deploy that technology. So uh, that's one big trend that's absolutely accelerating here. Another one is um, moving to SaaS, to software as a service um, platforms that's going on like crazy, uh, whether it's, you know, whatever, Salesforce, Adobe, SAP, Oracle, um, Workday, ServiceNow, these are all major SaaS or SaaS-like software models. So that's a big, big trend as well. Um, The third big kind of tech area here 
is once you've got those those foundational platforms in place, is what do you do with it? And the what you do with it is very driven by process automation and by data intelligence, the ability to have visibility into what somebody needs, where they are in their process, and use automation and AI effectively to uh, improve that customer experience, improve that process, uh, optimize that capability. And so the investment in tech just continues to grow. In our data, for example, we know that about half of the tech decisions are made by business people and not just IT people, as an example. And that's because their budgets are very often directed towards technology. That's what being digital means, is using technology as a business asset. And so that's a very important commitment, I would say, that companies need to be making to understanding the role of tech, to funding tech, and to having a coordinated approach to tech that includes tech leadership, of course, but also acknowledges the fact that people in marketing and product engineering and in business are moving very quickly, and they need to be able to draw on partners to move quickly while having the confidence that the investments they're making are going to be supported in the future. So tech becomes embedded in every single part of a company. And as we're fond of saying here at Forrester, you know, every business is a software company, a software business, and that has never been more true. And I think becomes even clearer as we move um, into 2021 and beyond. All right, Ted, we've covered a broad waterfront. So let's boil it down. Top three predictions for 2021. Well, we of course have five, but I'm going to give you three that I think are really poignant. The first is that companies are to establish direct relationships with their customers. They are building digital products and services. In fact, we believe that one in five, 20% of enterprises will have a digital division that builds digital products and services. And about half of those will generate at least a million dollars in revenue in 2021. So that's the first prediction is digital products and services. The second prediction is around how you are using technology, platform technology, in order to accelerate your business. So whether that's a digital experience platform or a digital operations platform, we, it, I will predict, we will predict at Forrester that in 2021, about half of the investments that companies make will be in software systems, platforms hosted in the cloud and off-prem. So we're moving from on-prem into the cloud for every part of the application stack from the front office to the middle office to the back office. The third prediction that we'll make here in 2021 is that in order to align the ecosystem, you need service providers and enterprises to work together in a much more shared risk, shared reward way, because that way you're going to get the most out of the service provider and you're going to make sure you are doing what you need to do to transform. So the third prediction is that we expect for digital transformation service engagements, that half of those will have an outcomes-based pricing component that there will be some money left on the table on both sides based on the success of that transformation engagement. So that's the third prediction for 2021. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Jen. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.